Aldous Huxley was an English writer and philosopher. He wrote nearly 50 books. And here's his quote about history. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons of history. Welcome to the History Slices Podcast. A mother-son duo discussing awesome bits of history. We prove on every show that history is not boring. Entertaining, yet stimulating. This is History Slices. And now, here's your hosts, Jacob and Rachel. Hi, Jacob. Hey, Mom. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm I'm off to a good start this morning. <laughs> That's good. I'm happy to hear it. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, it's wonderful to be back. Um, to Truly. Be recorded. We, we've done a couple now uh, since we got our uh, equipment back, so... Yeah. But, it's still nice. To Feels be back. good to be back in the swing of things, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm you having a lot what? of fun. So today we're going to be talking about an escape artist. Yes. Um, who's Japanese? I think I remember you saying. Yes. Okay, so let's jump in. Right. Awesome. So this is uh, his name is uh, Yosie Seratori, and this story is insane. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it's aff- absolutely baffling, and no one's been movie off of this as I can find. No one has. All right, so just so you're to, suggesting for any um, <laughs> for movie all, makers out there, for all you Spielbergs out there yeah. that I know are listening to this, this. is a good topic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, so this guy, he's a bit of a, a national kind of folk hero, I guess you can mm-hmm. say. He's kind of like D.B. Cooper, though the circumstances are very different, which we'll get into. But first, let's let's talk a little bit about some background, and also side note: some of the stories attributed to this guy might be a little more myth than fact. Okay. It was kind of hard to distinguish the two, so bit of a blurry line. Yeah, so just you know, keep that in mind okay. as you go through <laughs> it. But Sertori, he started life as basically a nobody. You know, like he didn't like most people. Like most people, <laughs> yeah. But he I guess was, not everyone. Well, you know what I mean. He wasn't like um, super well known or successful or famous or anything like that before. What we're about to get into. His parents had uh, passed away when he was young, uh, and he worked in a tofu shop. Later on, he became a crab fisherman, which is interesting. You know, he married, he had a daughter, you know, typical life stuff, right? right? All very, you know, everyday ordinary. Okay, so I'm going to pause real quick because it sounds, it's reminding me a little bit of when we talked about Steed Bonnet. And he mm-hmm. had this ordinary life, you know, married somebody. And then all of a sudden, boom, he becomes a pirate. So yes. I'm just thinking there's going to be a boom. <laughs> it, it, it's a little, yeah, it's a little different because it was out of his control. Um, oh, okay. Well, eventually he got himself arrested. Uh, and what happened was that he had been found guilty of murder, which oh. he claimed he didn't do. He claimed that he was forced to confess to. And uh, I wouldn't necessarily doubt him given Japan's kind of, Saudi track record with some of this stuff. Okay. But on the other hand, he was also kind of mixed in with not the best crowd. So it's. So it you know, could knows? have. Yeah, it's hard to say. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, regardless, in 1936, he was sent to Amori prison, which, in case you don't know, Amori is a prefuncture of Japan. Japan's divided into a bunch of prefuncers. It's also the capital city that prefuncture, which is a little confusing, but whatever. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um, I've never heard that word prefuncture before. It sounds like like a province or something. Kind of, yeah. It's basically just like, they're not states like we have, okay. but they're like just kind of sections of the country. Okay, gotcha. Uh, but it's in like the northern part of it. Not the most northern, but it's it's up there. So it was pretty rough going for him. It was very cold. 
Uh, he was mistreated by the guards, you know, beatings and stuff like that. And Do you know how long he was supposed to be in there for? No, sorry, okay. I don't. I didn't know if, like he got a life sentence or something. Uh, no, no, he didn't get a life sentence. Um, but we'll get into it. Okay. He also had uh, the potential of death penalty hanging over him because that's what prosecutors were kind of oh, you know pushing for. Okay. So naturally, he was like, "Screw this!" And he began to plan his escape. So he was in there for a couple months, but during that time he was incarcerated. He what he did was he studied the guards' route and their schedule. You know, because they're all very regular, you know, right. like they patrolled at certain times in certain areas. And, you know, mm -hmm. he he picked up on that because he was very smart. He was a lot of things. Um, <laughs> So thanks to this, he knew, right, that like, OK, so at 530 a.m., there's a 15 minute gap when they're patrolling and no one had eyes on him. Again, remember, this is like mid 30s. So it's not like they have cameras, right. you know, everywhere or anything like that. Another thing to kind of note that in Japan, at least at the time, I don't know if this is still the same case because their prison system is different now. Prison bathhouses, they had buckets with water in them, uh, you know, just for I'm bathing sure and stuff. I'm sure it's completely different now. <laughs> sure, but <laughs> yeah. what he did was he took the metal wire that was supporting the bucket and he smuggled it back into his cell. And when uh, the the 15 minute window of like, okay, no one sees me hit, he used the wire to pick the lock. Oh, yeah. So then he, the way the prison was set up is there's a bunch of different security doors. So he began making his way through those, you know, picking the locks wow. as he went through. Now, yeah, this is like a one shot deal, too. Like, yeah, once you start, once you pick one lock, you better hope you get all the way out. Yeah. I, sometimes with like these escapes, especially in like movies and stuff, they'll be like, okay, here's the plan. And then they'll like get a little bit farther and then they'll go back and a little bit farther, right, you know, right, whatever, right. however it works. Yeah. Anyway, so he managed to make it outside, but he's still in the vicinity. And the alarm, or if the alarm is called, you know, they would, uh, they'd find him basically. Like he's not out of the woods yet, uh -huh. so to speak. Now, sneaky beaky Siratori, he planned for this. <laughs> uh, so what he did was he got some of the loose floorboards in his room and he put it in his bed and covered them up. Uh -huh. So if you were to just look in there, you it wouldn't looks immediately like, suspect. It looks like he's asleep in bed. Yeah. yeah. Which happened. The guards, they walked by his cell again once the, the window. Uh, was up basically when they're patrol and they looked in they're like oh yep he's asleep it's all yeah, good so he bought himself a little extra time mm -hmm. and by the time they realized he had escaped uh it was the next morning and he was long gone <sighs> now unfortunately <laughs> his freedom didn't really last all that long he was caught three days later trying to steal some hospital supplies oh. i don't know why maybe because of just like you know he was out for like in the cold for three days and yeah. was wow. mistreated by guards and so stuff. How, so three days later is when they caught him, huh? Yeah. Okay, gosh. But he was sentenced to life at this point because of oh. the escape. Oh, gosh. Um, they ramped up the punishment a bit. Yeah. Uh, so. What a desperate place to be in if he was innocent. Yeah, I know, right? I like to think he was uh, just because I like rooting for him. <laughs> um, <laughs> So he spent the next six years of his life in Amori prison. In 1942, he was transferred to Akita prison, which is, you guessed it, in Akita City or Akita City, whatever. Uh -huh. I, I'm not good with names. And it was an even worse time there because the guards were a bit way more abusive. Oh, they put no. him in solitary confinement a lot because they knew he had escaped previously. So he was like a troublemaker. Yeah. They um, kept an eagle eye on him. Yeah. So uh, I want to take like a, a side note to talk about the solitary confinement cell he's in because it's interesting and relevant to the, to the story. So 
they knew he was like a sneaky snake, so they didn't want him to like just escape again. So what they did was they had the room be like very small with smooth walls and the ceiling was really high. So like he couldn't just, you know, MacGyver his way out of there. (laughs) Good Um, word. Yeah. Now there was a window on the roof. I I guess it's a skylight. Yeah, I guess you'd call it a skylight, but it was sealed and barred and out of reach, you know, like he couldn't reach it. Uh, He was also handcuffed 24-7 just as like an added like. So, ha, that'll hold him, I'm sure they thought to themselves. Uh, Little did they know they were dealing with Sertori, master skate artist. Wow. (laughs) Uh, So something that isn't really relevant now, but we become relevant later. It's now just like a footnote, basically. One of the guards was actually on good terms with Sertori. His name was Kobayashi. They were like, I can't remember if he was like, the head guard or what he was like respected he was a respected person but like he didn't mistreat Sirtori uh so Sirtori kind of liked him and Kobayashi would like bring him like food and other stuff so they're on like relatively good terms so kind of friends well how do you get out of this one well for one he knew how to get out of handcuffs which the guards didn't know I wonder how he knew that like uh how does how does somebody get to know that if you're not if you don't either practice it or, you you know, you've been in this situation before. I, I know that you don't know answers to these. These yeah. are just more like hypothetical Sir, questions. No, I, if he's a completely innocent dude, you yeah, know, no, how he, does he know how to get out of He has a, a very strange skill set for someone who uh, fist crabs his life. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, regardless, he got another wire smuggled in. I don't know how uh, it's possible it was in some of the stuff Kobayashi brought him. It's possible he just like, you know, did like a like a, a, a repeat with the bucket thing. Regardless, he managed to get a wire and he picked the lock on the handcuffs. Then he began to climb the wall because apparently this guy could climb smooth walls. Wow. Uh, this is one of those scenes that it's like, hmm, okay, well, he was part lizard, I guess. Yeah, I, I so this might be... Yeah, I mean, I don't know how else he did it, but according to the sources I looked at, he managed to get up the walls. Now, the skylight, when he reached it, he found that it was sealed, but the wooden framing around the seal was wooden, which means that it had begun to rot, right? So every night he would like, you know, like like loosen a bit. I'm making hand gestures that audience can't see this. <laughs> you know what I mean? He would like... um, He'd get up there and try to work it for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, he would like... um. Can I, can I interject a second? I'm yes. still thinking about scaling those flat walls. And I wonder if maybe it was that the cell was so small that he could put his legs on opposite walls and shimmy up. It's very possible. I couldn't really find like, well, yeah. I didn't really think to look. That would for, kind of explain how he like, could do it though. Cell, yeah, yeah. But, that might yeah. explain it. That's how I'm going to think of it. Uh, sir, it's, <laughs> if it's, he's getting up and down and working yeah. on that. It, it's possible. So. Eventually, he had it loose where he can just open it, but he didn't want to just leave because then they'd hear him tromping around on the roof, like trying to get out. So what he did is he waited for like a, a stormy night, you know, <gasps> dark and stormy night. So uh, that night was June 15th, uh, around midnight. You know, they walked by cell and realized, oh, he escaped again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a <laughs> what a shock. Yeah, yeah. I actually have that in my notes. Uh which, as you can imagine, was quite the sock to them. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. gosh. He, yeah, because... I like oh. how patient he was in setting up his escape. Like, he didn't rush it. He didn't panic. He just yeah. worked his way diligently through. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. They just found his, like, cuffs and, like, the empty cell, and they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Not again. So this one was a bit more successful. He managed to stay free for three months. On September 18th, what happened was, this is actually a really interesting story, and it's where that footnote comes in. 
uh, he went to Kobayashi's home. Oh. And he basically, he, he started talking to him and he's like, hey, uh, I want to hand myself over to the Justice Department because I want to make a, a in-person case about all the corruption and abuse going on in our country's prison systems. Uh, and you basically want to get his freedom back with a civil lawsuit because that he thought that was like the only practical way he can actually return to his family right without it because right now he's just a fugitive right uh and he knew kobayashi was uh well respected and they're on good terms so he wanted him to kind of vouch for him mm -hmm. to be like you know kobayashi turned him in without letting him do any of his plan yeah because yeah, uh, of course he probably i mean he was obligated mm -hmm. you know he called the authorities i think oh. uh the was like in the bathroom or something and he's just like or i'm just gonna make a call um which as you can imagine was like a big betrayal um uh, from uh Sertori's perspective mm -hmm. which it, uh, arguably it was but yeah gosh there's so many different ways you could think of this like mm -hmm. if you assume or if you knew that he was innocent then he's doing what probably anybody would try to do is you know, save yourself, but you have to try to work within the system. So you're, sure. you're not completely alienated from your life. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just thinking it's, no, it feels it, a little tragic if he's innocent. It is. Well, that's the thing. It's like, um, with, with a lot of cases like this where you don't really know, you just have like yeah. the evidence presented before you and like, you know, try and judge character on, on someone you don't really know. Yeah. Where I, it's like, man, if they're innocent, I'm really rude for him. But if he's not, that's that's bad. <laughs> and know, I feel like great. if he was guilty, he would not have gone back to that guard. He would not have gone to the house. I feel like if he was, if he was guilty, he would have stayed in hiding or, or felt like that was his only, yeah. you know. I mean, you would think so. He, uh, in fact, when he was talking to um, uh, Kobayashi, he was saying how, like, he didn't even really mind being in prison so much. He just didn't like the mistreatment. Um, oh, so that's weird, too. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, people are complicated. Yeah. That's <laughs> for, that's, <laughs> that is an understatement. Right. So, due to escaping a second time, he got, uh, three more years tacked on, which you're like, wait, he had like a life sentence before. Now he has a life sentence plus three <laughs> years. That happens. Um, you know, that happens here. You know, people have like, consecutive life sentences it's just like uh i don't think there's any real practical like meaning for it i think it's just like we strongly disprove of what you did yeah i wonder if i i remember knowing that earlier that people get life sentence plus yeah and, I'm, and i remember thinking what's this about how can this happen yeah and i think i i read and i, I could really be wrong but that a life sentence isn't actually like the lifespan of the prisoner it's actually a set number of years like four uh -huh. decades or something like that and I see. So that's how they could add on to it. If you survive that that four decades or whatever the right. sentence is, then you start the next sentence. Sure, that I, that makes sense to me. <laughs> Anyways, so he made a request to be sent to a prison in Tokyo, which is a lot warmer than the last two prisons mm. he was in. However, um, he was instead sent to Abasiri Prison in Hokkaido. Hokkaido, because uh, I'm assuming you don't know, is the most northern part of oh, Japan. No. If you look at a map of Japan and you notice like there's like a, it's a big island, like there's like the, the, the curved island that's mm -hmm. the main one and a big one. The big one's Hokkaido. And it, it can easily get below freezing there. Like it's near Russian territory, you know, like wow. it's it's north. So fun fact about um, Abyssiri prison. No one before him or since him has escaped from that prison. Huh. So just keep that in mind. Okay. It's, it's like Alcatraz or some, something like that. Now, 
at this point, they had a pretty good like profile on this dude, uh, what he could and couldn't do, you know. So they made what they believed to be a seratory proof cell, <laughs> right? They're <laughs> like, okay, this guy, he's got some like you know voodoo stuff going on. So that's not what yeah. they didn't say that, yeah. but you know what I mean. Like this guy's nuts. Some magical powers. Yeah, that's so what we could do. Let's let's run down with this bad boy hat. So first of all, the the cell had uh, steel fixtures instead of wooden ones, so it's not gonna rot, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, bars on openings were smaller than he couldn't fit through. His handcuffs were made out of iron, so he couldn't break them. He was apparently strong enough to break normal ones, or so wow. the story goes. Wow. Uh, again, a lot of stuff is attributed to this guy. Uh, he also had leg cuffs, so he couldn't stand easily. And none of his cuffs had a keyhole. He couldn't lockpick his way out of them. They had to be removed with the help of two metalwork specialists. Wow. Which took like two hours. It was intense. It was pretty, it was pretty over the top. Oh, I can't imagine having handcuffs and leg shackles and just that's it. Yeah. Like they're part of you now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's now 1943 uh, in August. He's been here for a couple months. One guard on a night patrol, he passed by Seratory cell. And this is what he saw. He saw that the futon and his clothes were neatly folded on the floor, the heavy-duty cuffs next to them, and, of course, no seratory. Wow. Just a couple months later? Yeah. Wow. Oh, what the heck? <laughs> like, how on earth? So how do you do this time? Well, over the last six months, right, he had been saving small mats of soup because the guards would feed him. They, like, you know, put soup in the, yeah. the door. So he'd be saving, like, little bits of it. And every night he would splash the soup on the frame of the inspection window as well as cuffs because he was a smart cookie. Uh, he knew that the salt in the soup would, uh, uh, over time, oxidize the metal bolts and screws. Mm-hmm. Who thinks of that? Who <laughs> would think of that? What a long game. <laughs> yeah, I know. All right. So the first screw came out after like a month and he used it as like a mix of screwdriver, which kind of helped. He MacGyvered his way out of it, that basically. That is incredible. Wow. And so that's... uh. That's how he got out of his cuffs, basically. He just kind of loosened them. And then he must get to the, inspe- the inspection window, despite his size, um, because he was able to dislocate his joints. Oh, my gosh. Uh, which you can do. Uh, it's not many people can do that, but it is a thing that yeah. people can do. So um, so once he was outside, he climbed out a broken window, which I guess was just there. And <laughs> that was that. Oh, my gosh. Right? At this point, it's kind of like, okay, you win. <laughs> yeah. Go like, ahead. At this point, if I was Japanese government or whatever, I'd be like, all right, you're hired. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you're clearly like a, a uber badass. Yeah, like, that's like, just cr- keep escaping. amazing. Yeah, right? He was, uh, it's a crazy, like, movie thing. Now, he was on the run. He spent a while as a hermit living in an abandoned mine out in the mountains of Hokkaido. Uh, cause he was still wanted and stuff, but he didn't really want to return to civilization cause he'd just be caught again. Mm-hmm. So he kind of was just, uh, living out in the wilderness a mm. bit, all, uh, like, you know, naked and afraid. <laughs> I, <guess. laughs> I mean, I'm sure he had clothes and stuff. He hunted and, you know, two years passed. Right. And eventually he's like, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm bored. I'm going to go back to civilization. By the time he returned, the war was over. Uh, World War II, that mm-hmm. is, because obviously that was yeah, going on Yeah, I was wondering about that. Yeah. He figured that there wasn't really much point of hiding anymore because the Japanese authorities, they had bigger issues going on, <laughs> you know, with America uh, more or less occupying, I suppose. He headed down south to finally reunite with his wife because he's like, and his daughter, he's like, all right, I think I, am I good? I think I'm good. <laughs> uh, well, he headed down to Sapporo, I believe is how you say it. It's a city. It's still in Hikado. Hokkaido? 
Economy. How did I just say it? I just said it. I'm not sure. It's Whatever. okay, though. It's still in that area, uh, but it's a bit more south. It took him around like 50 days to like get there, but he wasn't really hustling or anything. So, and he was like walking, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, I he, wonder if he was trying to just also be um, stealthy. Maybe. Yeah. He was pretty hungry, you know, at this point, because he's just this homeless fugitive walking <laughs> across the country, basically. So he tried to get a tomato from a field only for the farmer of said field to think he was stealing and a whole, like, fight happens. <laughs> now, normally this would be funny, right? <laughs> it's like, oh, I didn't know this was owned, sorry. Uh, <laughs> however, it's not funny because in the scuffle, the farmer, uh, oh, according no. to Sir Tori, he was accidentally stabbed with his farming instrument. Oh, I'm not no. sure what exactly oh, it was. No. And bled out. So Sir Tori was arrested again, and once they realized who it was that they had in custody, they sentenced him to death. Oh, gosh. Uh, and in 1947, he was sent to Sapporo Prison on death row. So there's bad luck all around. Yeah. Now, at this point... I can see why, I can oh. see why after the death of the farmer yeah. and all the escapes, and I mean... Yeah. Even if he's innocent, it's yeah. unfortunate that, you know... Yeah. He, he claimed it was self-defense, that it didn't, you know, it was just like a, an accident. He didn't mean yeah, to hurt him. Yeah. But uh, the authorities weren't having any of that. Now, at this point, Sertori, he's pretty infamous. You know, everyone knows that it's very easy for this guy to escape prison because <laughs> he's done it three times now. So in his fourth prison, what they did was they had six armed guards watching him 24-7. Holy cow. Right, as well as nightly searches when he was in a bathhouse of, uh -huh. like, his cell just to make sure he wasn't, like, yeah. contrabanding <laughs> anything. Or, you know, he wasn't cooking up any Any escapes. crazy scheme. Yeah. He wasn't, like, making, like, some sort of, like, like acidic thing to, like, go yeah. through walls. Or, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what this guy could do. And at this point, I'm sure they're thinking he's probably pretty dangerous since... He's mm -hmm. killed somebody now. Yeah. And his new cell, it was like the one in Abyssiri prison, but more so like the, the doors, the bars, all the windows, they were reinforced, right? The openings were shrunk down to be smaller than his head. So, cause wow. you might be able to dislocate your joints. You can't dislocate your yeah. skull, you know, like that's, <laughs> yeah. we're good on that regards. Uh, he didn't have any cuffs though, because they're pretty confident about everything else. They're like, okay, he ain't getting through this. So hmm. we're good. Despite having like... Six armed guards, but yeah, you know. but he could have got through any cuffs anyway. So why bother? I guess. Yeah. Now it was believed this time that he was depressed. Um, he had started staying in bed all day. Right. And why wouldn't he? Right. Seriously. It's now winter. He's getting older. He's not exactly on his prime anymore. His execution is looming. He's, it seems to be unavoidable. Can't seem to escape. Who wouldn't be upset? Right. Yeah. Well, the guards started getting annoyed at him for not getting up. They're like this guy, you know? So they went in to give him what for, uh, and that's when they realized something. He was dead? A bunch of wooden planks were in Sertori's bed, giving him the illusion that he was there. <sighs> he had escaped again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. How in the world? <laughs> so here's the thing. When searching his room, when he was in the bathhouse, the guards didn't think to check under the futon or... Uh, because he had subtly trained it because he kept looking up at like the ceiling and the windows like, oh, how am I going to get out of here? So they kept looking up there. They didn't look under the futon where he had removed the floorboards and dug a tunnel. Um, oh, my God. Because, again, this is like a late 40s Japan. They don't exactly they have like wooden floors. Right. And yeah, this was, by the way, this was their most try hard prison for him. And it was <laughs> the easiest escape for him. Like 
it was, it was crazy. Yeah, because he didn't have any shackles to get through first. Yeah. So he just had to start digging. He just had to, like, keep them distracted, basically. Yeah. So I wonder where he put, like, the dirt that he dug out. Mm, there must I have been actually space. have an answer for that. Oh, cool. Uh, basically, the, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, the... The way that their buildings are constructed is that there was like a bit of like a crawl space underneath okay. the floors, but before the dirt. Oh. I'm not quite entirely sure what the um, crawl space is probably. Yeah, what the function yeah, of that yeah. is. But uh, yeah, but probably it, is to crawl, I bet, because <laughs> even like, you know, there are yeah. crawl spaces under houses and stuff. There's sure. space. So that's where he shoved the dirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, I know that was like a. Uh, that was a question I had too. Like, wait, where did the dirt go? But yeah, I, but I, I wonder why. Answer. Like, if you could get into the crawl space, why not just crawl your way out? I don't know. I guess it wasn't. Maybe it wouldn't viable. take him far enough away to. Uh, you yeah, know, I don't know. I guess escape. I don't know. He just ended up in the prison grounds. Yeah, so he just pop out <laughs> in the middle of, like the field. Everyone's looking at him <laughs> like a gopher. Yeah. Um, so a year passed, right? They didn't know where he was. They didn't know what ha- had happened, and. This is the most movie-esque part of the story. This is why I want to make a movie, because this is like, this is a crazy scene that happens, right? Okay, so, Sir he's chilling on a bench, right? He's tired. He's like, this is, this is a crazy life I lead, you know? <laughs> I, 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 I want to, you know, rest. I, I don't want to keep doing this. A random policeman sits by him, right? And apparently the policeman's just looking for a place to smoke. Like it wasn't like any like he didn't recognize he didn't him know who or he anything. Was. Yeah. No, he was just like chilling too. And they start talking, uh, about what who knows. But eventually the policeman, he I'm sort of really awkward because your Tori's like, Oh no, it's a good it's the cops. And this dude's like, Hey man, what up? Uh <laughs> He, he offered Sertori a cigarette, and this was mind-boggling to Sertori. So he wasn't recognized, obviously. That's probably when... Yeah, but why this was so mind-boggling is because in Japan at the time, cigarettes were super expensive. They were like high-class, kind of. Oh. They are like a, like a luxury item. So for this random person, uh, uh, someone Sertori had no trust in because he's been burned once with Kobayashi before. All the guards he's known have been abusive you know, so he has a very low opinion of authority figures. Uh-huh. And for this random policeman to just offer this stranger who he doesn't know, you know, like this. Um, a nice gift. A nice gift. Yeah. It was it was crazy to him. It was absolutely bananas. And it moved him so much that he kind of broke down and he told the policeman everything. Oh. <laughs> like the whole story I just told you, he told the policeman. Wow. <laughs> That does feel like a movie scene. Right. So uh, he was, was, oh, sorry. sorry. I'm sorry. I was just thinking. So he told him like as a way of confession, sort of like, yeah. this is who I am. This is what I've done. Get it off his chest. Yeah. yeah. So he was arrested again, though at this time, the high court of Sapporo, Sapporo, I'm not sure, the city, uh, they were more sympathetic. It might've been because of reforms were going on at the time, you know, mm. just on a nationwide level, but it also might be because he turned himself in mm. and they were kind of desperate to not have a crazy dangerous escape criminal going yeah, around. Yeah, it'd be nice to um finish off that like not mm-hmm. not for the authorities side to not yeah. finish it with uh, this guy disappeared and we never saw him again. <laughs> yes. You know, it has a better ending for the authorities side to say yes, yeah, we he did end up We'll touch upon that when we get to yeah. the end of this. But yeah. Regardless, they acknowledge that the incident of the farmer self defense, or not it was, uh they mm. in the eyes of the authorities they're like, Okay, we believe you. Okay. And um he also didn't hurt anyone in his various escape attempts, mm-hmm. uh, which also was like a big plus on their right. eyes. And they're like, okay, well, you could have, especially because 
he was being beaten and stuff. He didn't go after revenge or anything. He didn't like, because he could have easily done that because and also escapes, they didn't realize he had escaped until he was gone. Yeah. You know? So they changed up the death sentence to just 20 years, which is still a while, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I guess, better than death. And it was fine by him, especially because they allowed him to be in a much warmer Tokyo prison. Oh, wow. So wow. he's like, cool, I, I'm good. <laughs> and so it's kind of a compromise. Yeah, yeah. And he was a model prisoner this time because the guards were abusive and everything else. In 1961, 14 years later, he got paroled. And he went to go visit his daughter wow. for the first time in a long time. Wow. Unfortunately, his wife had passed away by that point. Mm. But what a yeah. life. Right. And eventually he just kind of passed away from old age. But wow, what a life story. Right. So, Completely dominated by this yeah, prison thing. Yeah. This dude, right? <laughs> um, he's like a legend of Japan. He's very famous. I'm not sure if anti heroes are award, given like the connotations yeah. that come with that label. Yeah. But the people loved him. At Abyssary Prison, which is now partly a museum, uh, there's an exhibit celebrating his daring escape. He's great. Uh <gasps> there there's like a uh like a I don't know if it's I don't think it's wax, but there's like a figure uh like uh, of him like kind of climbing up on like the wow. like the rafters to like get out wow. stuff. Mm-hmm. So the people love him, but as for the penitentiary system, not so much. Wow. <laughs> um, it, it, Japan has, and I, I think a lot of countries are like this, but Japan especially, they've always been very big on image and avoiding national embarrassment. And this was, at least in their eyes, a very big embarrassment because he kept succeeding in escaping yeah oh well that's life yeah, <laughs> Honestly, seriously but, so i wonder yeah. what it was about him that the people loved because they must as far as just the underdog effect, yeah thinking know. he's he's uh innocent or i guess maybe even even if he isn't he's managing to um beat <laughs> yeah. the man or whatever you would call it you know yeah, using beat the his system. brain and stuff mm-hmm. to get out of things yeah um so you can see why I kind of compared this guy to D.B. Cooper at the beginning of this in right. the sense that, like, he's a bit morally ambiguous um, and he's definitely, like, a, a bit of an outlaw, I guess you can say. Um, but he's very, I don't know, he's a very intriguing person. Um, he is, because he, he kept kind of coming back to try to set things right. like Kind of, yeah. Like, whether it was going to that first guard to try to Kobayashi. fix it. Yeah. Or, yeah, just very, very fascinating. I feel like I had a question. <laughs> oh, I'm forgetting what he was in there to begin with. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. After all that, yeah. um, he was charged with murder, which he claimed oh. he uh, didn't do. Um, he claimed he was forced to confess to, basically. Oh, right. That's right. They just, they needed, uh, according to um, Sirtori, yeah. uh, it was a case of like, they wanted a quick kind of conviction because the public's opinion was uh, attention was on them and they didn't want to look too incompetent or whatever, which happens sometimes. Yeah. Uh, it's shouldn't, but it happens sometimes. On the other hand, we don't really know because he uh, was in with a bad crowd, you know, like you kind said, early yeah. on in his life. Yeah. Um, but wow, that's super yeah. fascinating. Mm-hmm. I wonder, are there books written about him or? Yeah, there's there's a bunch of stuff on him, like online and stuff. Is is whoever uh, this is a side tangent, but whoever wrote his Wikipedia article needs to go back to that because it's really sparse. Like a lot of the information I got was from the sources, you know, which yeah. is how I used to do 
Wikipedia research. Yeah. Uh, but it was like the actual like information was a lot less than this. Mm. It was like, and then he escaped here and here and here. Yeah, and it was very I'm like, well, Hold on. So then There's you had to dig in. Details. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really fascinating. That's something that like if you ever get to go to Japan, it'd be mm-hmm. cool to go to that museum you were uh, talking yeah. about. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Very cool. I was I wasn't sure what to expect with this one because I was thinking escape artist, and I'm thinking somebody who um, like Harry Houdini. Yeah, somebody who does it intentionally for uh, as a spectacle. You know, sure, watch me sure. get out of these handcuffs or <laughs> yeah. whatever. You know, not somebody who is trying to escape literally prison. Like, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. And multiple times it was so that went a totally different direction than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> yeah. Very well, good. Yeah. Well, it's like it's one of those things that like. Is kind of on as far as attention goes, right? There's several different layers. There's like there's local or like people in the area know about it, but everyone else who knows. Then there's like a national where it's like people in the country know about it, and that's where Sertori is. And then there's international where it's like like everyone, regardless of which country you're in, know who the president of the United States is. Right. For example, or who the um uh like Queen of England is, you know. Mm-hmm. And the uh this is on like we being in America, we don't um, hear about these type of people. That's not on our radar at all. No, because yeah. there's no need, there's like no reason to know about it. You know, it doesn't come up. So I thought it was interesting and wanted to kind of like, uh, you know, set some light on that, you know, yeah. introduce this this person to like a new audience, I guess. And what's really cool about that too is that um, as you're telling the story about this guy in Japan, I don't have the same background knowledge that I have like uh, here, even though I don't have great background knowledge of our justice system in Mm -hmm. the thirties and forties. You know, I don't, I really don't know where they assigned lawyers back then, you know, like what, what's the backdrop to that? I just, I don't, I don't know. So that's, uh, that Mm -hmm. made it a very interesting story really new for me. So I liked it a lot. Yeah. It was good. Good pick. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Next time. Next time. We're going to talk about. Uh, it's a little different, uh, which is fine. I, I think it's good to have a diverse selection of topics. I actually enjoy that a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're talking about something that is very strongly American, <laughs> but some maybe some of our international listeners might be a little unfamiliar with. Uh, we're going to be talking about rodeo. Rodeo. Very yeah. cool. And yeah. Very American type of What pastime. that is and the history of it and all that. It's going to be real fun, I'm sure. Good. <laughs> so. I'm really looking forward to that one, too. But this one has been uh, a treat. Yeah. yeah. I liked it. So, audience, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad that you've been along for the ride. And until next time. Bye. Confucius once said, study the past if you would define the future. You've been listening to the History Slices podcast with Jacob and Rachel. We hope you've gotten some useful information from the show. We hope we made you think, and we hope you were entertained. We know we had fun, and we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on Facebook at History Slices and on Instagram at History Slices Podcast. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show, and tell a friend about the show. That'll help us out, too. One more quote before we go from Michael Crichton. If you don't know history, then you don't know anything. You are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Till next time, this is History Slices, signing off.